It's Home Court Press, Utah Jazz Talk, Jazz Bites with Brian Priest and McCade Pearson. The Jazz start their first homestand of the season with a bang as they outshoot, out-rebound, and outpass the New Orleans Pelicans on their way to a 118-102 win, improving their league-best winning streak to six games. Donovan Mitchell scores 14 first-quarter points and finishes with 28 on only 15 shots, but Donovan takes a backseat to the return of Joe Ingles, who knocks down five threes after missing the previous three games and four of the past five. Stay tuned as all that and more is coming up next on Home Court Press, Utah Jazz Talk, Jazz Bites. And let's get it going here. The Pelicans and the Jazz. It'll be Lonzo Ball and the Pels that control the opening tap. Here comes Donovan Mitchell all the way to the basket. Mitchell, catch and shoot. There's Gobert, offensive rebound, and he scores. Rudy Gobert. Jazz won't push it. Mitchell, a quick three in transition. He's got it. Bogdanovich open and rips it home. Boyan Bogdanovich. Conley. And he'll fire up a three. Oh, he hits it, and they foul. And Mitchell lets go of all three. It's good. Good defense here for New Orleans. Now Zion on Bogdanovich. Sidestep inside. Favors gets it. Right at the end of the shot clock. Everybody got a touch that time, and the Jazz convert. <laughs> That's going to take us to the finish line and a 16 point Jazz win. Welcome into Home Court Press, Utah Jazz Talk, Jazz Bites Edition. This is your host, Brian Priest, joined as always by our good friend, McCade Pearson. McCade, we're talking six straight Jazz wins after a 118 102 victory last night over the Pelicans. What'd you think? Six straight win and the first of six home games. Um, play the Pelicans again to get that seventh win on Thursday. Looking good. The Jazz offense is clicking on a lot of different cylinders right now. It's fun to watch. McKid, before we get into a lot of specifics about players and things in this game, I want to talk about one possession that stood out to me that I think epitomizes the greatness of Rudy Gobert. It was the Pelicans. I want to say it was their final possession of the second quarter. I'm about 98% sure on that. But the Pelicans had an inbounds pass on the left side of the floor. Rudy was able to get a hand on the pass, knocking it away. Pelicans get it back, and Rudy... Took a moment to complain about something to the referee. I'm still not sure what he was complaining about, but then decided, ah, you know what, maybe I'll just get back into play and block this shot at the rim. So he knocks away a pass above the three-point line, above the break, and then is able to complain and then recover 21 feet and block a shot at the rim. There's nobody on earth that should be capable of doing something like that. It was ridiculous because, yeah, I think he thought that he knocked it out, and then I can't remember which Pelican it was. I want to say Josh Hart. And it kind of looks like he stepped out of bounds because we did get a piece of it. So Rudy, I think, thought it was out of bounds and complained that it wasn't out of bounds. He, like, full, um, gave up on the play. Like, yeah. almost 100% complete stop. And then he decided not to. Next thing you know, like, it was just a ridiculous athletic and effort play. It was super weird. But just that I was watching that, and I literally thought that was one of Rudy Gobert's 10 or 15 best blocks in his career, where it was just out of nowhere. How did he get there? Like, what just happened? And, yeah, it was the Pelicans' last possession. It was about five seconds left in the second half. Um, and Jasmine down the other side didn't really even get a shot up. So, great tone center right before the half. And then you come out in the second half, only a big third quarter run, and there's your sixth one in a row. It's got to be better than his top 10 or 15. Like, the only block that I can think of in Rudy's career that stands out more to me, and, and it was 
one because of the the type of play that it was and the athleticism he showed, but also the importance of it in this game was obviously that Mavericks block last year. I think it was Delon Wright that pump faked. It was either Delon Wright or Tim Hardaway Jr. But pump faked Rudy above the break, and then Rudy got spun around and recovered to block the shot at the basket, preserving a Jazz win. I think this is his second best block. Yeah, no, I thought of that same similar play with the Mavericks last year when I watched that. Like, just him coming out of nowhere from all the way from the three-point line into the rim was just insane. Shows off his length and speed, and that's one of the reasons he's the best, not the best center, but one of the top three centers in the league is his mobility and the way he just moves around the court. He's very agile for a big man, so great. Super fun to see. Rudy's getting a lot of blocks this year, actually. He has, his, I think, his highest block percentage since his rookie year, um, which is kind of crazy to think about. But great, great, great play to end the half. As I mentioned, big third quarter run. Jazz go on to win. Let's break it down a little bit more. All right, let's jump into it. I personally want to start with the shooting just because the Jazz are on an historic streak right now. They've hit 20-plus threes in three consecutive games and in four of their six games on this winning streak. Last year, the Jazz hit 20-plus threes how many times? Four in the entire season. This is also the first time in league history that any team, including some of the best shooting Rockets teams over the last two or three years, those Warriors teams that everybody talked about their scoring and shooting so much, this is the first time in league history any team has made 20-plus threes in three consecutive games. It's literally historic. We're not even being hyperbolic with this. Yeah, they are putting them in at a historic rate. A little bit of that is a crazy percentage. I think they're, what, 45 to 50%. But it's not like they're shooting 60, 65% to get there. It's a very, it's a hot streak. It's not an out-of-this-world insanity. This isn't going to last thing. So we'll see exactly how much it lasts. But it's, as I said, it's not some crazy outlier. It's just a hot streak. And so that's a good thing. Um, but the temps are great. Uh, how many temps did they have last night? 47. They were 21 for 47 mm-hmm. last night. So good numbers up, good numbers going down into the hoop. We'll see exactly how much the three-point shooting continues, but with all the elite shooters the Jazz have, it's a it's a dangerous game for opponents to play. I think this is something we should probably find the numbers on and talk about it in an upcoming podcast, but I want to challenge you a little bit as to whether or not it's actually a hot streak because we look at this roster and it's just filled with shooters from the starting lineup all the way to the last two or three guys on the bench. There are good shooters all across this team. And outside of Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors, pretty much everybody that is in the regular rotation can shoot the three-point shot at a high percentage. And so I wonder if it's not a hot streak because of the way the Jazz offense works. If they were taking a lot of contested looks and hitting these threes at a high rate, I, I might agree with you. But... These aren't even contested looks. How many wide-open shots? That's why I say we should probably dive into the numbers on a different podcast and look at some of these second-spectrum numbers, 538, and look at the the wide-open shots versus the lightly contested, the heavily contested, and find out exactly where the Jazz stand. But they get so many open looks, I don't see any reason why the shooting needs to come back to earth at all. I mean, I would like to not come back to earth. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we'll look into that a little bit more. Okay, so just stay tuned, Jazz fans. We'll check that one out. Moving on here, McCade, I want to start with Donovan Mitchell. Donovan, there's been a lot of talk about how good he is to close games, so how do we get that Donovan Mitchell to start games? And that's the Donovan we got yesterday. He scored 15 points in the first quarter. He finished the game with 28-7-4. But what I love to see in that first quarter is he was aggressive. A lot of times Donovan can be passive. He'll sit back, 
and not even look to create for his teammates so much as just he's he's a ball mover and a facilitator especially early in these games. But yesterday, he took the bull by the horns. He hit, I think, three threes in the first quarter. He got to the bucket a couple of times. And it sets a tone for this Jazz team, and I think it makes a really big difference. Yeah, he looked fantastic. And then after the hot start, everyone's well, you know, maybe he's going to go off for 40 or 50 or, you know, how many points he scored tonight. But he really just calmed down and played his game the last three quarters and didn't force it and didn't go for a big scoring night and finished with a very, very, very efficient 28 points. Like, that's what you want to see out of Donovan. You want to see these super, super hot stretches and then just average, normal, solid play the rest of the game. Yeah, absolutely. You want that solid play. There were a couple bad turnovers. Another thing I continue to love about Donovan's growth is, along with the 28 points, he had seven rebounds and four assists, and a couple of those assists were were the type of thing almost similar to the Rudy Gobert tipped pass and then blocked shot sequence we talked about earlier passes that not very many guys in the league can make. He, he had one where he drives to the basket, gets caught in the air. He was out of bounds. And before he comes down, is able to use his long arms, swing a pass around right to Bojan Bogdanovich because he knows that's where Bogey needs to be in this offensive set and find him for a three. It's one of those uncontested looks. I don't know if there was a guy within eight to ten feet of Bogdanovich on that. And what excites me about those things that I'm seeing from Donovan is he got that pass to Bogey, not because he saw Bogey there, but because he's so comfortable in this offense, whether it be driving, creating, passing, scoring. He's so comfortable that he knows where everybody's supposed to be. He looked like the literal quarterback of the offense on that play. He knew knew what route Bogey was supposed to be on, knew exactly where he would be, and put the ball there. Thanks for tuning in today. It's season two of Home Court Press with McCade Pearson and Brian Priest. Home Court Press can be found on any of your major podcatchers, including Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And please, if you like what you're hearing, remember to share, rate, and review so that we can expand our audience. Home Court Press can also be found on kbear.com. Just go to kbear.com forward slash home court press. Lastly, give McCade Pearson a follow on Twitter at McCadep8. That's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-8. You can find me, Brian Priest, on Twitter as well at bpriest24. That's at B-P-R-E-E-C-E 24. As always, thanks for listening to Home Court Press. And take note. Now, back to the show. Yeah, and Bogey looks great, too. His three-point shootings are turning. He's well over 40% over this win streak. I think he's something like somewhere around 20 for 50, give or take one or two makes an attempt. Um, Jazz are just really clicking a lot. Another mm-hmm. person I want to bring up, Mike Conley had 10 assists again after not doing that all of last year with the Jazz. He's now averaging close to a career high in assists per game and is averaging a career high in assists per 36 minutes. Really, really good to see him fit into the offense and be a big part of the ball movement and the just the whole idea of the offense. He's fitting in great now. Yeah, you you said how he hadn't gotten a 10-assist game all of last season. That's twice in, I think, 11 days now this year. Great to see from Mike Conley. Bogdanovich for his slow start to the season. And I'm the biggest Bojan Bogdanovich fan out there. You've got your doubts about him. But I can admit, I he didn't play well. He really struggled the first eight games or so of the season. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he is coming back from an injury. It's a wrist injury that is just difficult to deal with, and then you're you're coming back and trying to learn how to rework with this team. But he's up to nearly 40% shooting from three this year. So even with the slow start, he's not 
scoring and shooting at the the same volume that he did last year, but he's still shooting nearly 40% from the three-point line. So I think a lot of people need to realize that and probably back off on the, the Bojan questioning right now because not the volume, he's still getting the efficiency that we were used to last season. Oh, we could talk about this off air. Um, I do have my <laughs> Bojan concerns. But we don't need to get on this. We're recapping a Jazz six straight wins. Let's focus on the positive. So we mentioned the play to go into half with Rudy's great block. Third quarter. Actually, let's talk about Royce first. Yeah. Royce was awesome defensively. Um, we've seen him struggle on smaller guards. But when he gets up against a big, long forward, he's actually really, really effective using his strength and his body type to kind of counter whatever the opponent's going to do. He's not going to go guard LeBron James or even Kevin Durant. But the Brandon Ingrams of the world, he's fantastic at. And we saw that again last night. Well, what's fun about the Royce O'Neal performance yesterday was he got torched by Brandon Ingram a couple of times last year, and it didn't make a lot of sense because you're right. Ingram is the type of player that Royce is usually very good against defensively. Ingram came in last night. He's averaging just about 23 points per game, got held to 17 on 8 of 18 shooting, and yeah, Royce was the primary defender. Royce made him uncomfortable. It never felt like Ingram was able to get to the spots on the floor that he wanted to. He's kind of a mid-range guy. He likes to hit those fadeaway 15, 18-foot shots, and Royce never let him get in those positions. There were even a few possessions where Ingram was just trying to create and get himself going, and Royce is on him right in his shorts at 40 feet. And that's what I love to see from Royce O'Neal. But besides the defensive effort... He also shot seven threes. He went two of seven on those threes, but I don't care. We've said it repeatedly. doesn't matter what his percentage is on those threes. You've got to shoot them when you're open so that the offense can continue to run. And I love watching him play that aggressive defense and fulfill his role on the offensive end shooting those seven threes. You mentioned before, he was three for seven. That's 42%. We're all loving it. And another three in this game would have made that big of a difference either way. Um, so Royce has really come around the last week, two weeks. Um, There's a lot of concern about him, not necessarily earlier in the season, but specifically in the off season after the Nuggets series. And I mean, it's, it's kind of cliche to say, but a six-game win streak, and we're talking about how everybody looks good, but that's how it is, right? If everybody plays yeah. well, you're going to go on a six-game win streak, as cliche as it is to say. So great stuff from all around. I don't really have any major concerns about anything last night. Uh, we haven't even mentioned Joe Ingles, 5 for 6 from 3-point land. We haven't mentioned Yang, who finished with a double-digit game with 10 points on 4 of 8 shooting. Favors was great with 9 and 7 in 16 minutes. You know, like Clarkson finished with 18, 6 and 6. The bench was just fantastic. You know, like everyone was good, and we could sit here and spend 10 minutes talking about every single player. Like, it, the Jazz are playing great basketball right now. You're 100% right. The last point that I wanted to talk about, McCade, is... 48 minutes of basketball, no matter how good of a team you are, it's really difficult to string together 48 minutes of good basketball. And so what the best teams typically will try and do is they create runs. They create swings in the game that give them momentum, take away momentum from their opponents. So let's talk about this Jazz third quarter. They started the third on an 18-6 to run, helping them build an 18-point lead, and then just kind of went through the motions for the rest of the quarter, back and forth with the Pelicans. And then they finish it on a 9-0 run and and go into the fourth up 22 points, 91-69. And that's the type of thing that the best teams in the league do is, like I said, they create those runs and they, I won't say the Jazz shut the door on the Pelicans last night. They had a little bit of a run of their own in the fourth, but they really put them behind the eight ball and, and made it an incredibly difficult game 
It was the three-point shooting. They they hit, I think there was three, four consecutive possessions where they hit threes to start the quarter. And then they had Rudy on a couple rim runs. They, the run would have been at least 20-6 to six if Rudy hadn't missed a wide-open layup at some point during that. And it's exciting to watch this Jazz team piece those things together and then just kind of hold on to it for other portions of the game. It's okay that the in the second quarter they had a five, six, seven-minute stretch where it was just one and out and they were missing a lot of threes because at this point I think we both feel comfortable saying we trust that even if the Jazz have missed their last 10 three-point shots, shoot the next one because it's going to go in. Yeah, no, and so back to the three-point shooting. Within the first four minutes of the second half, Mike Conley, Royce Daniel, Boyan, and Donovan all had made three-pointers, and Rudy had a dunk. So that's all five starters scoring in the first four minutes, and four of them hitting three-pointers, and Rudy getting uh, all five on efficient scoring opportunities. And that's what you love to see is when you're spreading out the attack like that and getting open threes for literally everybody, and then literally everybody can shoot threes um, around a dominant interior presence like Gobert. It just makes it impossible their defensive stop. And the Pelicans have some big-time defensive issues, so we don't need to get in too much. But the Jazz offense is clicking on a really, really good level right now, moving the ball. McCade, where can they find you on social media? You can find me at McCadePH, that's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-8. You can find me, Brian Priest, on Twitter, at BPriest24, that's at B-P-R-E-E-C-E-24. If you like what you're hearing from Home Court Press, please remember to subscribe, share, rate, and review so more people can find the show. And also, keep in mind, Later today, we're going to be recording our weekly recap, the long-form edition, probably around an hour. We're also going to have a special guest friend of the pod, Pelicans writer, podcaster, Elliot Clough. He joined us last year during the bubble. So we'll talk with him a little bit about the Pelicans, what he saw from the Jazz last night, what he expects from Thursday evening's game. And that's going to be coming out later today. Thursday night, they'll be playing the Pelicans again, the second of a six-game homestand. That'll be at the Viv at 7 o'clock. Hopefully we get our seventh straight Jazz win. That's a TNT 8 o'clock game, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, TNT 8 o'clock game. My apologies. Not seven. Take note.